Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Limitless Estates, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family by using real estate as your vehicle. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. everyone, and thanks for tuning into another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. On today's show, we have Adriel Leewag. Adriel, great to have you on the show. How's it going? I'm doing good, Lolita. Thanks for having me, you guys. Absolutely. Before we get started, here's a little bit about Adriel. Adriel is a full-time investor from Los Angeles doing both local and out-of-state investing. Adriel's house flipping started from his numerous years of successfully flipping cars as a hobby. He has since taken the skills and concepts with flipping cars and has applied it to real estate, and three and a half years later, he is currently on his 11th flip. Adriel's main focus is on local flips in the LA market to build capital in order to purchase out-of-state cash-flowing properties. So that's a very cool fun fact on how you got started. I think that's a great segue into you telling the investors a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do. Thanks, Alita, for the introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 34 years old. I'm a father to three awesome boys. I've been married to my wife, Raquel, for 18, going on 18 years now. Um, and like you said, I'm a local investor in Los Angeles, primarily focused on uh, uh, flips and developments in the local market. Awesome. Cool. Thanks for that. And so uh, I'm going to ask you how you got started in this niche. And it sounds like from your intro, you got started by flipping cars a little bit. So just briefly, can you touch on the flipping cars thing, how you got started on that? And then what is it about flipping houses that appeals to you? Yeah, Kyle, um, like Lolita mentioned, I I have a history of flipping cars as a hobby. And uh, I come from a technology background and I was flipping cars for fun for a few years back then. And I, I experienced some success with flipping cars and I realized that the same concept I had, um, I was using with flipping cars. If I own, if only I could take that concept and apply it to flipping houses or in real estate, I would have just as much success as I did with the cars. Um, so just like everyone else, I was working a corporate job and, um, I got, tired of it and I wanted to try flipping on the side so I tried a project a couple of years ago and I fell in love with the process um, and it just kind of took off from there I've, I've always had something like I've always enjoyed um, seeing something that was maybe run down or, or was old and people didn't like it I always had the the skill set to be able to see past that and kind of see, imagine in my mind the potential that that object had. So if I saw an old car or maybe a beat up house, I would, my mind would start running and start imagining um, what I could do with that um, car or that house. 
how I can bring it back to life and potentially add value to it. Okay. So this is kind of off topic, but I think it's kind of fun is for the cars. Did you purchase um, cars that basically needed a lot of money to get put back into them and you fixed them all up? Or was this more of a value play where you said, Hey, I can buy this car for, let's just say 5,000. It's worth six. So I can make a quick thousand bucks and, and not really put much money into it. Um, it. It was a little bit of both. So I, what I targeted was not, not your, ordinary day-to-day cars like Hondas and, and Toyotas, but more of older cars that I knew over time would build value and would have a specific market for it. So back when I was doing cars, when I was flipping cars, I would flip like your 90s, late 80s BMWs, where I knew that whoever was selling it, one, didn't really know the value of the product they had, and they had kind of just let it get old or rusty. And so I would buy it for cheap and, and put a good amount of money into it to bring it back to life. Then I also knew that there was a market out there for specific buyers that were willing to pay top dollar for that specific car. And cool. that's really how I experienced that. Got it. Yeah. I'm sure that's the same way as you relate to flipping houses. So I'm sure you've uncovered a couple of crazy things when you're flipping houses, um, especially out here in LA. So can you talk about maybe your biggest challenge so far or something out of the ordinary that you've seen on your flips? Yeah. Um, actually, my first flip, it was interesting. It had a broken pool. And it was when I bought the house, it was halfway full with stagnant green water that actually had. Um, lily pads in it because the previous owners had turned it into a pond so there were goldfish in the pool then there was tons of algae at the bottom um i thought that was kind of weird for first experience um but it, it, it you know it turned out fine but another challenge that it had brought on was finding someone to fix the pool and willing to drain it and get rid of all that junk at the bottom um, another challenge that I would say is really when we're, we're going and walking these homes that we want to buy, a lot of the times, most of these homes are off market because of the condition they're in. So you'll walk into some of these homes and which I'm sure you guys have experienced looking at rental portfolios where you walk in and it's so filthy and you just, it's such a shock to see that people actually live in filth sometimes. And the worst part about it is seeing that there's actually kids that live in, in these homes. Um, a quick experience would be one that my wife and I walked and the moment you walked into the house, you, it was carpet. You could smell, they had dogs. You could smell the pee. You could feel how sticky the carpet was walking through the house. And then the worst thing is you get into this one room and there's a box of diapers and kids toys. And so this, it, you know, it becomes heartbreaking. Wow. Challenge. Yeah. I mean, we've seen some of that kind of stuff when you're walking through um, apartment buildings as well, doing due diligence. Right. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we do what we do is to provide better living conditions for the residents that live in our building. So, um, so to me, when you think about flipping, you think of that being an active investment but there is a passive side to it as well. Can you talk a little bit more about how people can invest passively in flips? Definitely. Um, people can, just like buy and holds, people can invest passively as long as 
they're able to find someone that they can work with who's actually got a team on the ground actually running these projects. So, for example, for myself, a lot of my investors are passive. Um, they just fund these projects because most of them either work full-time jobs or they have their own businesses to run. So they don't really have the time or the manpower to be running these flips on their own. Um, the great thing is if they have a team like myself where I'm the one who has the general contractor, I'm the one who has, who's acquiring the deals, um, they're able to just be on the sideline and putting, investing money into these projects without getting their hands per se dirty or, or getting really involved in the day-to-day, -day, um, in the day-to-day -day things for a flip. And why would someone want to invest in a flip passively versus let's just say a buy and hold? Um, I would say it's a great way to diversify and then uh, one's portfolio and in investing because as you know, on the buy and hold side, it is a longer term investment and you don't get your return or your money back um, till later on, maybe a year or so later on. As far as investing into flips, it's a great way for people who are looking for a faster return um, to accomplish that. On, on average, for my projects, you're looking at like a, anywhere from four to eight months uh, for a completion of one flip. So a lot of the times, someone who may, someone who may have some extra income, uh, maybe they have some cash planned out for another investment that's not happening till maybe a year from now, they want to get a return for that money within that one year instead of having the money sit. It definitely, investing into flips definitely provides them with that return that really you can't get anywhere else. Um, you know, they, they get a decent return within a decent time frame. Cool. And what types of returns are you offering uh, to your investors on a typical deal? Right now I'm offering them anywhere from eight to 12% on a minimum $50,000 um, investment. And the eight to 10% is annualized. And like I mentioned earlier, um, it's usually one project is four to eight months. Um, so they'll get their money and their prorated uh, profit at the end of each project. Or for some investors, they prefer to just lock it in for one year. Okay. And you would do that. Let's just say a project ends in six months, but uh, they wanted to lock it in for um, a full year. Will you still honor that and then just take that money and roll into a next project? Exactly. We'll just recycle it. Okay. Got it. Awesome. So what are the top three things you'd suggest for a passive investor to look into prior to investing um, with someone into a flip? The top three things I would say is um, look at that flipper's portfolio see what they've done, um, see their track record, um, check the quality of their work, and also what their investment strategy is. Um, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of flippers in this business, and most of them, um, the only exit strategy they have is um, selling each project, which is, you know, it's fine, but it is, Kind of it's on the riskier side um, so if you look at their investment strategy I think that would give the uh, investor a lot of peace of mind as to 
just knowing that there's more than one exit strategy for, for those who are doing um, projects that do allow them to um, exit outside of just selling, if that makes sense. Okay. And so can you give me an example? I mean, obviously, um, if someone wants to get their money out in a short amount of time, they'd want you to sell. But let's just say you get in a situation where you can't sell because the market turns. What are some of your alternate exit strategies that you use? So um, I think we're going to get into this later. But uh, for me, the, the main projects that I'm doing now are actually value add projects. They are bigger projects and take longer. But the beauty of it is if we are caught in like a market shift in the midst of a project, then it allows us to go ahead and refinance a property and rent it out um, versus just selling it. Um, I'm actually experiencing that right now with, with this flip that I'm sitting in. Um, this one, the only, the investors that were partnered with me on this one, they, they were not willing to do a bigger project. They just wanted something quick and fast. The unfortunate thing is that we got caught in a, in a market shift where it did soften and right away our ARV changed. So the only option was to sell and now we're actually going to take a loss on the property. Okay. Got it. But the investors will still make their money. Yeah. The investors will still make their money. Um, but we as a company are taking the loss ourselves. Got it. Okay. And so what other types of homes are you looking at? Do you look for things specifically like two beds, three baths, or I know you look for heavy value add, but is there anything else that you kind of look for in, in a project that you say, this is the type that we want? Yeah, right now, um, because of the, the huge uh, shortage in housing in LA, a couple of years ago, they had um, allowed ADUs, which is, which is accessory dwelling units for those who haven't heard of it. And basically what this is, is it allows homeowners to convert their garage, their existing garage into a legal, a legally permitted living space and rent it out. And it's also metered separately. Um, so right now we're looking for properties that will, one, it'll allow us to add value. Um, and most of the time these are smaller homes that are around 900 square feet. And it's a two one, like you said. Um, essentially, we're looking for homes where it'll allow us to bump it up to about 1,500 square feet, turn it into a 3-2, but also allow us to convert the garage into either a studio or a one-bedroom ADU. And most of the time, uh, we'll find those properties, but sometimes we'll find properties that don't have a, um, existing garages. The city will allow us to build ground up. Um, the biggest key to that is we have to meet certain setbacks on the property line like you can't be 10 to 15 feet within a power pole um, power lines can't be over the garage or whatever um, so but the main thing is that we look for properties that will allow allow us to do this kind of uh, renovation yeah, I think it's a good thing. I mean, like you said, there's a huge shortage in, of housing everywhere. But in California, um, in this situation, and typically the state of California is usually coming down on the investors. And on this case, it really is a great opportunity for people who want to invest in flips to really take advantage of that. So it's, it's actually good to see that in this area. So, okay. So who's part of your team that uh, you currently have uh, to help you do these flips? Is it just you doing it yourself? Or uh, are there other people involved? So 
over the the three and a half years that I've been in this business, um, I've been able to build a pretty large network. I consider it pretty large, um, but I don't work closely with everyone within that network. But I'm, I'm happy to say that there have been good people that I've really grown close with, and now I have I have an acquisitions guy that leads our acquisitions. Um, I have a couple of top producing agents on their top selling agents. Um, I have, even though I like design, I, I'm still, I still consider myself learning. Well, there's always learning, but I consider myself new to design. So I have a couple of designers that help me out. Um, and then I have my GCs. I have a few GCs that I work with on different projects. I have, um, my in-house architect and then I have myself and really what I do is I'm the one that's uh, running the projects day to day and managing overseeing the workers the contractors got it and so how did you find uh, a lot of the a lot of these team members I'm sure it wasn't just you know day one calling them from Yelp or whatever it is uh, what did it take to build out that team um a lot of networking um, I host a local Bigger Pockets meetup where I'm at in Eagle Rock, Los Angeles. Um, and then I, I'll attend a few other meetups, but a lot of it really is from networking and building relationships with different people. Um, a big, I, I'd like, you know, uh, I'd like to say this a lot of my, most of my network is actually from Bigger Pockets. Um, I, I always suggest to newer people to really take advantage of that platform because there's so much free content on there. I think that's how you and I met. Um, and yeah, it's just a great place to connect with others. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I use bigger pockets on a daily basis and I just reach out to random people, I'll answer people who have a post or, um, just try and connect with people who live locally. And like you said, that's how we met. And I think it's a great tool for sure. Um, okay, so can you, speaking of meetups, you have a cool way of marketing your houses when they're done. Can you talk about how you implement meetups uh, with that? Sure. Um, usually when we have a project that's done, I, the meetup that I host is every second Wednesday of the month. Um, and whenever we have a, a project that's done, I'll usually host a meetup there. Um, that way it'll give a chance for people to walk through an actual project, especially those who are looking to get into the business. Um, and what I'll do is I'll have some pictures blown up and, and kind of show each room of how it used to look. Um, this helped me out a lot, not only in bringing value to newer people, but also um, attracting investors and partners. Um, it gave me a chance to kind of show them what I do um, and show it shows them what we do and the quality of work that we do. Um, as far as investors go, that's the biggest key for, for these meetups. And then may, um, the other thing is it also brings a lot of value to those who want to get into flipping it gives them a chance to walk through the project and ask me questions on the process. Um, it brings value to wholesalers as well. Um, you start to build relationships with wholesalers who obviously will essentially bring you deals. 
Cool. Yeah. I thought it was a really creative way that you did that. I'd never seen that done before. So, um, and I've gone to, I think two of yours now and it, it's really cool how you have the pictures of before and after, and you can really, you know, you can see it on a phone, but when you walk through and you're walking in the room and see the picture, what it looked like before, I thought it was a really creative way to do it. So, exactly. um, so flipping in California, I know is getting very competitive with the prices where they're at and just the market where it's at. So what are you doing to separate yourself to make sure you're getting quality properties? Um, so like I kind of went over earlier, we are, um, targeting bigger projects. Um, the thing is so many, like you said, it's so competitive and so many people are trying to get into this business, especially because they have a misconception of, of the business because of TV shows. A lot of people coming into this business, they think that it's really, it's really easy. They think it's easy money. They think it's big money. Um, so with that being said, everyone is looking for the quick, easy flips. Um, one, those are a lot harder to find now. And two, the, the cost or the price of a quick and easy flip has just gone up insane because of everyone coming in and, and trying to buy up these, these easier flips. So the way that we really stand out is we are, one, we are going direct to sellers now. We don't buy anything on the market. Two, we only target distressed properties. Um, you know, like for agents, agents are, they're on the retail side and looking for a listing. So they're, <clears throat> you know, whether it's a rundown home or it's a fixed up house, they, they target everyone. But for us, we only look for uh, distressed properties, whether this be a distressed homeowner, maybe they're in foreclosure or probate. Um, or the house itself is distressed. Um, that's how we stand out. We, we go direct to sellers and then we also identify properties that where we can force the value, um, like I explained earlier. Um, these are bigger, longer, and more expensive projects, which like I said, most people don't wanna do. Most investors don't wanna do these bigger projects, which is great for us because we have the capacity and the experience to actually take it on. Um, I think the biggest way that we stand out from most people is my team, we all collectively come from a place of service. It's our mindset um, that we, we are in alignment with, the mindset we have that we are coming from a place in service and of service. And really what, what that means is when we're connecting with these sellers or these distressed homeowners, we're actually there to help them solve their problems, to actually come up with a solution on how we can help them fix their issue. And in return, it is also profitable for us. Um, and I think that's how we really stand out because there's, there's a huge shortage in people doing business that way. Yep. That's awesome. And so about how much on average are you putting into each property? I know it depends and it's a wide range, but are, are we talking about 20 or $30,000 or are we talking about a few hundred thousand dollars going into each property? Um, on the properties we do, we spend a minimum of a hundred thousand dollars because we don't, we, we make sure everything is, is changed out or updated. We don't leave anything untouched. Okay, got it. All right, Lolita's going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you seeking insights to grow a multifamily portfolio? 
If so, you need to check out the Target Market Insights podcast hosted by John Kasman. Each week, you will learn key multifamily and marketing tips from John and his accomplished experts. Learn how to find the best places to invest, attract investors, and influence brokers and sellers. Get the multifamily and marketing insights you need by subscribing to the Target Market Insights podcast or just go to targetmarketinsights.com. All right, Adriel, what is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you cannot do without? I'd say my calculator on my phone because I'm always on the go and just in between projects and constantly getting sent deals. So we need a quick decision on mm -hmm. pull the trigger or not. And I can't do it without a calculator. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's the little things that does it for us. Uh, can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing and the main takeaway for our listeners? Um, my biggest mistake would be buying my first out-of-state flip, sight unseen, through someone I didn't know so well. Um, my biggest takeaway for that was, and, and my advice to other people, is there's nothing wrong with buying out-of-state or buying sight unseen, but I think the lesson there is really vetting the person and getting to know them before actually doing business with them. Yep, good advice. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Um, I just need to assemble my dream team. Um, I have all the tools in place and I just need to put them together so we can all work cohesively. Perfect. And finally, where can people find out more about you? I am on Instagram a lot. Uh, my Instagram handle is flip squad and it's a number five for the S. Um, and then I'm on bigger pockets a lot. People can reach me on bigger pockets. I try to be as involved as I can. Or they can email me at um, flipsquadla at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, flipping homes is just another asset class in real estate that if done diligently and correctly in niche that you can become very successful in. So, Adriel, thanks so much for being on our show. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Adriel. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the passive income through multifamily real estate podcast and to get access to today's show notes and to previous shows, visit limitless-estates.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.